Welcome to Meet the Actor at the Apple Store Regent Street in London. Please welcome your guest moderator, Chris Hewitt. Hello. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, Mr. Holmes stars Serena McKellen as the greatest detective of them all, Sherlock Holmes. Of course, this is a Sherlock Holmes that you've never seen before. Before we meet Serian, let's take a look at the trailer. It was 30 years ago. Watson had left and the tourists had come back to Baker Street to catch a glimpse of the real Sherlock Holmes. Was that him? I have seen Sherlock Holmes with a hat and a pipe. <laughs> I prefer a cigar. I told Watson, if I ever write a story myself, it will be to correct the million misconceptions created by his imagination. Did you write such a story? I'm trying to do so now. The case which was to be my last began. You've come about your wife. How did you know? When you're a detective and a man visits you, it's usually about his wife. My Anne has changed. The case made me see that human nature was a mystery that logic alone could not illuminate. My wits must be at their sharpest. She needed my help, but I failed to solve her case. Watson wrote the story, but he changed the ending. So what happened? I must have done something terribly wrong. I chose exile, but what was it for? Are you going to go back to the case? One shouldn't leave this life without a sense of completion. Please welcome the great Ian McKellen. like a good film, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you gonna go see it? Do you know, there's one bad omission there. Th this, mm -hmm. the, uh, there are two um, uh, trailers, and this is the one for the United Kingdom, where we are now. It doesn't mention Laura Linney, who is playing a considerable, wonderful part, and uh, brilliantly done. Of course, if you watch the American trailer, which I think you can see on, on YouTube, uh, you'll find that she features uh, pretty heavily in that. So. There we are, that's my little complaint or <laughs> observation. And she's, uh, she's rather good. Absolutely. She's rather good. You've seen it, have you? I have seen it, yes. Yeah. That's a very, that's a very tricky accent she's pulling off. I know, but, yeah. but yes, she's wonderful. But, uh, but you yourself, you're playing Sherlock Holmes. Yes. The great detective. But as I said before, it's a Sherlock we've never really seen before. Can you tell us more about this iteration of the character? Yeah, it's a nice idea that Sherlock Holmes was a real person. Uh, of course, he's fictional, but uh, everyone has the impression that, that Sherlock Holmes really did exist. And after all, there's a statue to him in London, and people go around uh, what they think was his home in, uh, in Baker Street. Uh, and so the, uh, this film picks up on that idea that he's a real person, and that his complaint uh, is that uh, uh, Dr. Watson, who wrote the stories about him, had got him wrong and had rather distorted the reality. 
uh, and uh, Holmes is looking back on his life, age 93. Uh, he's in retirement in the south coast of uh, the United Kingdom and uh, living with bees and his housekeeper, Laura Linney, uh, and um, remembering or trying to remember what it was about that case 30 years ago that stopped him being a detective and when mm. he felt he had to retire something deeply disturbing and he can't work out what it is and so that's part of his decline as a, an old man but the story of the film is really how he wrestles with the past and 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 reveals to us that uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes is perhaps a rather nicer more humane person <laughs> than, than, than we'd realized and did you have a burning desire throughout your career to play Sherlock Holmes is this something that you wanted to do on the old uh, bucket list? No, I, I, like you all, I've seen lots of people play Sherlock Holmes. I mean, before the current batch. Uh, <laughs> oh, Cumberbatch, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, uh, John Gielgud, who was a, a, you know, a big hero of mine when I was growing up, the classical actor. If you know what he looks like, you'll be amused because I look really like him play, playing the younger Holmes. Uh, he, did, he did a lot of uh, Sherlock Holmes on, on the radio, uh, some of his worst performances ever. Uh, <laughs> but on the whole, Sherlock Holmes brings out the best in actors. My favorite was uh, Jeremy Brett. So yes. You're too old, but you remember those, but wonderful, <laughs> yeah. wonderful, worth, worth, worth looking up. The, the classic Holmes, the, the, the Conan Doyle Holmes, and, and the rest, uh, Robert Downey and Benedict and, and I are variations on, on, on Holmes, I suppose. But uh, yours is 93. 93 years old, 93 yeah. years old. You are not 93. You just I'm turned not. 76 yesterday. Can happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Does, uh, does anyone have a cake for Ian? I had a cake yeah. yesterday, yeah. and it had 76 candles on it. <laughs> there was very little cake. <laughs> <laughs> and I was sad that I couldn't blow them all out. Oh, dear. <laughs> That's how you know you're getting old when you can't blow out all your candles. Yeah, the three goes. Yeah. 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 But uh, but this is the 93-year-old Holmes. Yes. What's the way in to playing a 93-year-old? What sort of research do you have to do? Research. Well, your own body, really. I mean, yeah. I, you just think of those ah aches and pains, <laughs> and and that you know sometimes you wake up with a pain there and oh if something's wrong. <laughs> Well, and there you are, you see, you're sort of walking like a 93-year-old man without really thinking about it. Um, well, the, the, the makeup, Dave, Dave Elsey, who is a brilliant uh, makeup artist, uh, he and his wife uh, painted my face with this rubbery solution, and when it dried, it all wrinkled up, and there I was looking like that. Mm. And once I saw that image, it was the same with Gandalf. When we, when we finally got the beard right and, and the wig right, and I looked and... I saw Gandalf in the mirror, and I saw Sherlock Holmes in the mirror then, or an old man in the mirror. Yes. DNA does the rest. You know, if, if, you're, if, you're, if, you've, got, if you've got the face right, mm -hmm. you can somehow get the body right, and you can somehow get the voice right, and you can somehow get the movement right, and even the thinking right, because it's all connected. It's all the same thing. Yes. So it's very helpful to me, the, looking at the makeup. I believe, and this may be not be true, uh, that you had, a, you had a false nose for the role. I Which did. you gave a nickname to. Is this, is this true? Shirley. 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 Yeah. Shirley. Shirley. <laughs> Any particular reason why you would call her Shirley? Shirley. Sherlock. Yeah. Shirley. Shirley. Oh, of course, yes. yeah. Okay, absolutely. 
Was it was he prosthetics? Was it was it a, a tough experience? Was it a couple of hours or? Oh no 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 no! That was that was another brilliant thing about Dave Elsie. He's quick. Yeah, yeah. forty five minutes. Mind you, we, we got Gandalf down to forty five minutes. <laughs> when I first put all that stuff on for Gandalf, wig, eyebrows, nose, moustache, beard, that used to take over two hours. Oh. <laughs> it just meant you had to get up two hours earlier than otherwise. And, uh, but by the end, after eight years, we got it down to 40 minutes. Wow. And, and you couldn't tell the difference, could you? All the time. <laughs> if they make any more, then it could be 20 minutes, yeah, 30 minutes. Oh, Who knows? <laughs> uh, should we take a look at a clip from the film? Um, yeah. The, the movie has a, there's a lovely relationship in the film between uh, Sherlock and uh, young Roger, who's played yeah. by Milo Parker. I don't know if you want to talk about that relationship before we see Well, he's, he is the son of uh, Laura Linney. Laura mm -hmm. Linney is my housekeeper looking after me. Uh, she's rather grumpy because I'm rather grumpy with her. And, and between us is this lad, bright, fan of Sherlock Holmes. Mm -hmm. uh, and he sort of plays the junior Dr. Watson to, 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 <laughs> to my Sherlock and, and helps him through and urges him through. And uh, with the innocence of youth, can't understand why uh, Sherlock Holmes is succumbing to the difficulties of old age. So let's take a look at a clip. These aren't interested in helping you. Their only concern is self-preservation. From people? <laughs> They're much too clever for people. Their enemies are the weather, disease and predators. The wasp is their particular antagonist. Did you know that one wasp can kill 40 honeybees in under a minute. In consequence, we do not like wasps. Yes, sir. We do not like wasps. Uh, the queen runs the colony. The drones service the queen. Hands up. Workers do the work, as it should be. Concern is the latest decrease in the bee population. We've identified the problem. Now we must solve it. Right, there you are. Off you go. Have you ever been bitten by a bee? Stung. Bees don't have teeth. Yes, I have. Well, not often, though. 7,816 times. I keep a record. And I, and, and I said, look, I'm delighted to be playing this part. I am having nothing to do with bees. <laughs> and Bill Condon, the director, said, Ian, you have to, because you have to be able to, you don't see it there, open the hive, pull out the frame. I don't know, 10,000 bees on a frame, turn yeah. it around, no gloves. And that's what I ended up doing. I, I, I had good training. Uh, I, I, on top of the Fortnum and Masons and posh grocers in, in the middle of London, there are bees kept. Mm -hmm. And do you know wh wh where they feed, where they collect their nectar? Almost exclusively from the, the flowers of Buckingham Palace. So <laughs> if you really want some royal honey, that's the place to get it. And uh, I learned how to be uh, respectful to bees. And, and if, you are, if you keep out of their way, frankly, they're not interested uh, mm -hmm. in you. Uh, and uh, I'm full of admiration for them. Yes. Wow. 
So no bees were harmed. That did rather look like an afternoon programme on about bees. I publish it. There's a lot more to this movie than that. <laughs> there is some sleuthing in this film. There's some There's sleuthing. There's lots, lots of sleuthing, yeah. Uh, so and in fact, there was a good clue in that to the solving of the mystery, but uh, I won't tell you what it was. <laughs> spoiler alert. Wasps. Uh, it's something to do with wasps. <laughs> And there goes the spoiler. Um, but, uh, Sherlock says he was stung 7,618 times. Were you stung in the no, making of this once, movie? Not once, not once. Wow. There was not a human stung in the making of this movie, nor was there a, a bee uh, hurt, mm. as far as I know. That's impressive, very impressive. And uh, you mentioned the director, Bill Condon, who yes. uh, you've worked with in the past yeah. uh, on Gods and Monsters, which yeah. led, of course, to your first Oscar nomination. Um, it's been a while. Were you trying Since I had an yeah. Oscar nomination. No! It certainly had. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Since you worked with Bill. Oh, I know. Well, it doesn't feel like that, because uh, Bill and I became great friends uh, on Gods and Monsters. That was a long time ago, wasn't it? But whenever he's in London, he comes and sees me, and I stay with him and his partner, Jack, in, in, in Los Angeles. When I'm, every time I went to New Zealand, I would always go through L.A. and, and catch up with, with Bill. Uh, and so uh, it doesn't feel as if we've been out of touch because uh, we haven't. And I knew, I knew about this film, uh, but I didn't know that I was a candidate to, to do it. <laughs> so and since, he's given me another part, and, which I'm currently doing. I'm, I'm playing the clock, Cogs, Cogsworth, in um, Beauty and the Beast, the, the, the Disney. So I'm, I'm not going to be a, 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 a Disney. <laughs> Be my guest, be my guest. <laughs> da, 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 da. Well, that's going to be on the, on the internet within Beauty uh, a few minutes. Beauty and yeah. the Beast. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> I feel so lucky to be allowed to do these things. It's like yeah. being in a pantomime or being on Coronation Street, the long-running <laughs> long soap in the... So you do have a list of achievements that you're taking off slowly but surely. Coronation Street, panto, singing, yes, I'll do. Yeah, uh, ice skating I've, I've got to look forward to. And, uh, <laughs> and I haven't yet been in a musical on stage. Okay. I think that might be, too, be actually beyond me. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. A bit yeah. too hard on the lungs? I, I, I can't sing. Uh, <laughs> I think you just proved you could. As you do. Ah, oh, thank you. Thank you. But, uh, has that yeah. been something that's come naturally to you, singing on Beauty and the Beast? I know you've been doing these, these cast recordings. Well, I don't have to do very much. Mm -hmm. I, mean, uh, I, I was singing with uh, uh, Ewan McGregor, who's playing the candlestick, uh, and he has a lot to do. Mm -hmm. And Emma, Emma Thompson, who plays a teapot very convincingly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she has a beautiful voice. Yes. And uh, Emma uh, Watson, she can sing too. Uh -huh. Dan Stevens, yeah, it's lovely. Audra McDonald, of course, the great, great uh, yes. six-time Tony Award-winning singer. She's in the cuff. Amazing. It's fabulous. fabulous. You're, you're having quite the time. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's only two days of filming, actually. It's, <laughs> I can fit it in. So, um, so you, Bill told you about this film a few years ago? Is that, is that I, right? No, I or, think or, I'd or, heard. He'd yeah. mentioned he, he, he might be doing something like it. And uh, I hadn't read the book. Mm. Uh, but when the script arrived, I sort of whooped. I thought it would be fun. Mm. And it was. It, the, the, the idea of playing Sherlock Holmes is fun. Uh, but then it turned out to be a lot more than that. And uh, I was surprised seeing it, how moving it was and how uh, true to life it was. I mean, the, mm. Somehow the, uh, 
and the authors have got inside the, the, the mind and the, the failing mind, really, of, mm. of, of an old man. And uh, you'll see, it, 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 Sherlock Holmes gets better and better through the movie. He gets more and more someone you might like to spend time with. To, initially, I, I wouldn't want to <laughs> give Sherlock the time of day, but by the end, you can see that he's, he's humane. Yes. He can relate to other people in the way that you never suspected. Absolutely. So it's it's one of those films that makes you feel a bit better. Mm. Would you uh, describe yourself as a, a Holmes nut before you took this movie on? No, Did I would you read the, no. the, the novels? No. 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 But I can't remember. Well, can anybody hear? Can you remember the first time you came across Sherlock Holmes? Haven't you always known about him? Yeah. Isn't that the feeling you've got? Yeah. Same with me. And uh, where that came from, I'm not quite sure. I must have I must have read some of the short stories when I was a kid, or heard it on the radio, or something. Uh, so I've always had an image of Sherlock Holmes. That's why everybody thinks that he was real. <laughs> I, I think tourists come yeah. to London hoping to bump into Sherlock Holmes. Well, they might bump into me, might they? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you get to play two versions in a way of, of Sherlock Holmes. I do, yes. You get the 93-year-old and also a 63-year-old, yeah. something. Something like that. Yeah. Something else, yeah. So that's, we, we've got a clip now where we actually meet the younger Sherlock Holmes. Oh yes. In Baker Street. So let's take a look at that. Yeah. Watson had married, and I was alone. In fact, it was on the very day he left Baker Street that the case, which was to be my last, began to unfold. It was almost 30 years ago the Great War had ended, and the tourists had come back to Baker Street to catch a glimpse of the real Sherlock Holmes. Thankfully, in his stories, Watson had always published a false address for our actual quarters. So you found the right address. There you go. A brief glimpse. Now, the, the spooky thing for me is that I'm, as the younger Holmes, wearing an awful lot of makeup uh, to make me look <laughs> 60. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Anyway, I mean, the stuff stuck on me, anyway, and it's given me rather high cheekbones, and I'm a dead ringer for. Uh, um, John Gielgud, <laughs> who, who was uh, one of the heroes of my youth, uh, actor, great actor, who played Sherlock Holmes actually yeah. on, on, on radio, uh, did an awful lot of them. And uh, so it's a bit spooky to see uh, John Gielgud come to life, but it's a nice idea, isn't it, that they, they never lived at 221 Baker Street, they actually lived opposite 221 Baker Street and watched all the tourists trying to, uh, uh, trying to catch a glimpse of them. And doesn't that, I mean, that is London, uh, that really is London, that's... Uh, People in costume, the yeah. carriages going along, but those streets actually exist in London. It is amazing after all these years. It's amazing. So have you taken the, the Sherlock Holmes tour? Have you done anything like that? Have you gone to the I museum? I have not, no. Do you have any plans to? No. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so have you immersed yourself fully in the, uh, in the world of Holmes? He's probably in Madame Tussauds, isn't he? I imagine he would be. I, I wonder which is? Sherlock Holmes they put in there. Well, mm. the sort of generic. Mm. Yeah. In our version, he never wore a deer stalker, mm. nor did he in the, in, in the Conan Doyle stories that it's never mentioned uh, a deer stalker. That was probably an invention of William Gillette, who was the first actor, an American, who played uh, Holmes on stage. Shall we have some questions from the audience? Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Please. 
hand has gone up already, right here in the second row. We have some. We have a Roby microphone, I believe. It will make its way to you. you just pass it along. Thank What's you. all that noise? Is that people buying computers and stuff? That's exactly it. You'd think they'd be quiet for a second, but no. You would, wouldn't you? Who's waving back there? Just hello. Is it somebody I know, or just well, no, hello? Just someone hello. waving. <laughs> Now that you've been able to play Sherlock and have understood the mind of Sherlock, do you think there are any parallels between Sherlock and yourself in real life? Oh, I hope not. I mean, I, I, he's, he's a bit of a sociopath. He doesn't really get on with people. He, he thinks of them as, although he knows a lot about people because he observes them so well. Uh, and can work out where they've been and, and uh, what they want and, and so on and so on and so on. Uh, that's not really relating to people. That's not really. He talks at people, doesn't he, rather than with them. Uh, and it's not. Uh, that's one of the points of this sweet story is that if he'd only had the intuition of somebody who liked other people, could imagine himself to be in their situation, as opposed to always being on the outside observing, uh, he would have enjoyed his life more than he did. And maybe even been a better detective. Mm. And maybe uh, continued after the age at which he retired. So that, I suppose, if this has got a moral, that's what it is. And, you know, I, I know as an actor I do observe people and, and uh, that, that, that is fun. But I, I hope I'm a little bit more sympathetic to other people than, than he is. Mm. Thank you. Uh, any other questions? You have a young lady over here in the uh, second row. Hello. Hello. Um, happy birthday for yesterday. Thank you. Um, I have two questions for you. Um, my first one is, well, I told my tutor that I'd be here with you today, and he didn't really believe me. <laughs> and so um, he said that if I bagged an interview with you, uh. um, he would make me the lead, or he would consider making me the lead in a performance we're going to do. So my first question is, oh, um, Sir Ian, <laughs> would, you would you do me the honor of... Um, like doing an interview with me? Uh, I think there are probably Lots channels for interviews. Uh, if she wants an interview with you. Uh, oh, I see. At some point. Well, aren't you an interview you're yeah. interviewing me now? This is it. And, this is and, and, and if you do, you'll get the part? Yes. Can you trust this person? <laughs> you tell him from me that I think you should get the part. How about that? Will that do? All right. And this will be on the internet so people can yeah, see it. Yeah, yeah, big, 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 big. Proof. Yeah. Oh, you can't have a second because there are more people. <laughs> the, Do you want to choose someone? Yes. Well, okay. uh, lady, over there. Here, right and, Hi. Um, first of all, it's an honor, sir. It's quite Thank you. I'm psyched. I can't even put it into words. Um, but I did some reading before coming here, and uh, I found quite a few signs that mentioned that there is, um, it is suspected that Sherlock Holmes suffered from Asperger's disease. No, it's not disease. Syndrome. Asperger. Sorry. Syndrome. Um, was that something that came up and was that maybe something difficult for you to get your mind into considering that you're known to be quite the most lovely social person? <laughs> so. Well, uh, Asperger's it may be, I don't know. Uh, the thing is, you, you probably all the information you need to know as an actor will be in the script. And you can talk about it and so on, and you can put labels on what's the matter with him or uh, explanations to how he behaves, but it doesn't actually make it any easier if you can put a label on it. It's the behavior itself which, which you want to examine. 
Um, but it, it can sort of be comforting that uh, uh, the syndrome is recognized. Uh, but as an actor, no, it's um, what does he do uh, and why does he do it? And, and probably I'll end up knowing more about Asperger's than somebody who's written a big treatise on it. I don't know. Uh, we have Interesting a question, question though. Thank you very Someone much. over here. Thank you. There's a lady in the back row, in the same row actually. If you just keep your hand up, please, and then we can get the microphone to you. Yeah, if you just pass it along, that'd be great. Oh, sorry, I'll, we'll come back to you. I didn't see you, sorry. Happy birthday for yesterday. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, how did you celebrate? Um, could you celebrate by um, signing my Hobbit book? Um, it's been. <laughs> <laughs> It's been signed by Christopher Tolkien, and I'd absolutely love it if you could sign it too. I'm a huge well, fan. Well, I'm sure we can organise that later on. How did I celebrate my birthday? Well, in many, many ways. It, my, I don't normally celebrate birthdays, but I, my diary happened to be sort of clear, so mm. that there were things I could do. And a, a group of my friends uh, clubbed together to, to buy me a chef for the day. <laughs> Uh, and I quite enjoy cooking, but there are only about three things I could cook. And I, I had said it one day it'd be nice if I could learn some new dishes. And so Simon uh, Rimmer, who's a, a television uh, uh, chef, came with two uh, home economists, uh, washers uppers, washer uppers, uh, with all the food uh, not prepared. Uh, I had to do the preparing with him. He showed me how. Uh -huh. And over four or five hours, we cooked uh, three uh, dishes. And I had three lunches that day. <laughs> so uh, that was a wonderful present. And then I went to visit a school and talked about gay issues. Uh, that was another nice thing to do. And then I went uh, to see Julian Clary, a wonderful British uh, comedian, uh, on stage uh, here. And then I went away for the weekend. Uh, and that's when I had the, uh, the cake with 76 candles. So, <laughs> and here I am still celebrating, I suppose. I'll, I'll sign your book later, yeah. Thank you for today. Um, I was just wondering, um, you you played two very big uh, roles that came from books, uh, Gandalf and now Sherlock, and uh, Sherlock specifically has been played and played and played again and again and again. Um, so my question is, how do you make a character like this your own? The, I guess it, it goes for Gandalf as well, because now uh, for our generation, you're the face of Gandalf, but for people who only had a book, maybe there was differences there. So basically, how do you make a very famous character your, like, your own character? Well, it is a problem uh, that you face if you uh, do classic plays, as I've done. Uh, when, you're, when you play Hamlet, you know, you're not the first person to play Hamlet. There have been hundreds of people before you. You take comfort from the fact that some of them were really good, so it's a part worth playing, but then same with Macbeth or Richard III, which I've done on stage and screen, or, 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 or King Lear. These are parts, they're classic parts because so many actors have played them over the centuries. It's not quite the same with this film. No one's ever played this script before because it's a new script. Mm. It's an old character, but a new version of him. So I didn't really have to worry. And I, I, um, I didn't feel I was in competition with anybody. Um, Gandalf, it's an interesting thing about Gandalf. Many people say, you are exactly as I'd always imagined Gandalf <laughs> to be. And uh, I thank them. But I know, because I've read the books, <laughs> that um, 
are not exactly as Tolkien describes. I mean, Tolkien describes that he has very long black boots. I never wore black boots. I kept asking for them, actually. I never got them. <laughs> Gandalf has got eyebrows which are so long they go out beyond the brim of his hat. But you couldn't do that. No one, no one would believe it. But my point is, what these people have imagined was Gandalf was not from reading the book, but, for lo but looking at the pictures in the book. Because they were by Alan Lee and John Howe. And those were the two co-designers of the look of Middle-earth in the films. So actually what I looked like was not Tolkien's uh, Gandalf, but theirs. <laughs> and of course, you've been in the uh, interesting position of having originated Magneto on the screen and then also seeing someone else play Magneto. Oh, it's a daily. <laughs> <laughs> it's distressing. I can hardly say the words. <laughs> Michael... No, I can't say it. <laughs> well, isn't he lucky? Yeah. I do all the spade work. Yeah. I, I get the character popular. I get him, <laughs> everybody knowing. And in walks this Michael Fassbender, who's made three movies this year. He doesn't need to play Magneto. <laughs> Come on, give an old man a chance. <laughs> no, I think it's all over. Uh, uh, they've moved on. You think? Yeah. Michael's playing Magneto right now. He's filming in Montreal with Brian Singer. On Don't X rub it in. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Have you had a phone call? Not said? a phone call. No, no. Faithless. <laughs> I Bombard. wish him well. Absolutely. Uh, we've got time for a couple last questions. There's a gentleman here with a beard. Lovely beard in the uh, back row. Hello, sorry. Ian. Uh, Hello. I was going to ask you what you did for your birthday, but... You know now. Yeah. Um, I was wondering, what's your favourite role you've ever played? And I was wondering if you could sign my book, please. <laughs> um, I'll sign your book. Favourite role? Do you know, I've I, I played something like three or hundred parts on stage and on screen. And there are only two jobs that I regret. And I'm not going to talk about them because I, I, I regret them. But... Every, everything else I've enjoyed doing. So to pick a favorite, it's very difficult. But of huge significance to me was, was doing Macbeth with Judy Dench in a production you can still see. Uh, it's available on DVD, and it's a wonderful way to, to, to present Shakespeare. Uh, there's no scenery, it's just the words and, and the actors' faces. And then another Shakespeare, uh, Richard III, which was crucial for me because I, I produced it and um, co-produced it and, and, and wrote the screenplay uh, mm. from Shakespeare's play. And it was that film, I think, which uh, gave directors some confidence that I might be able to act in front of a camera. And then another film would be Gods and Monsters, which was uh, Bill Condon's uh, film for which he won the Oscar for the screenplay. And that was very close to my heart, its subject matter, but also, again, um, made me more confident of acting in front of a camera. And then the rest has been, as I say, wonderful. I, I would have been really disappointed to have missed playing Gandalf. Uh, uh, I love it. But he did go on a bit. I mean, it was eight or nine <laughs> years. You know. I thought, I, sometimes I had to say, Gandhi, look. <laughs> I've got this young actor, Michael Fassbender. <laughs> and, uh, 
give it 15 years. Uh, yeah. uh, there's a lot of hands. You okay for a couple more? Yeah, sure. Yeah, fantastic. There's a, there's a lady here with blonde hair who's waving her hand in the crowd of people. If you keep waving your hand, the microphone will make its way to you. Yeah. It's a fake hand waver there, but there's a... <laughs> yes, please. Hi. Um, my question is, the theme of this film is kind of around revisiting unfinished business. Yeah. And I was wondering if you had any roles or characters that you've played that you'd like, that you feel that you have unfinished business with and yeah. you'd like to revisit. Excellent. Yes, I do. Uh, King Lear. Now, King Lear is, is a wonderful play. Uh, and it's a wonderful part, and Shakespeare uh, poured his soul into this portrait of, a, of an old man in extremis uh, and uh, going mad, literally, and sort of recovering from it. And it, it's an amazing journey that the actor has to go on. And uh, I felt I didn't quite go on all the journey, and uh, I'd like to do it again. But that said, oh. It's like saying, I, I didn't quite get to the top of Everest, let's have another go. Because <laughs> it's a really hard slog up there, so I may never get round to it. Have you thought about maybe a, a movie? Would King Lear work as a movie? Uh, well, there's movies that I would like to revisit, wasn't that the question? Uh, roles, yeah. yeah. But King Lear as a film, would you think that, you think that would work? Is that uh, well, we did, it, we, we, we did it as a video, mm -hmm. uh, and I think uh, some of it is terribly good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a good interpretation. It's a good version of it. It's, um, I just think it, it could be a little bit deeper from my point of view. Okay. Mm. Uh, anything, any other questions? Well, there's lots of people here. Let's go to the front row here. There's, a, there's two people here in the front row. Two, so you've got a microphone. Hi, um, kind of following on with the theme of characters, you've played, you know, as you said, so, so many characters. If you had just the pick of any character in the world to play, is there a specific one that you would go for? Or No, I, th there's no point in saying, I want to play Napoleon, or uh, I want to play King Canute. It's the script, isn't it? You could have a wretched script about Napoleon, there'd be absolutely no point in playing it. A, so, and, and, and even if you've got a wonderful script, who's directing it is what I'd want to know. And who else is going to be in it? And where have we, have we got enough time to do it? There are all these considerations. So the idea of having a character who one day I, uh, I'm going to turn into a movie or a play, even as I'm saying this, I realize there is somebody I would like to play. <laughs> <laughs> And you may not, people in the UK may know who uh, L.S. Lowry is. He's, yes. he's one of the most popular uh, painters in this country, dead now. But he came from my part of the world in the north of England, and I think he's a very interesting character. Uh, and, but again, it would have to be a wonderful uh, uh, play or screenplay. Mm. And actually, I have played him in a documentary we made about Lowry, and so I've sort of done that. But no, uh, avoid wishing specifics uh, and, and make sure the script, the script is everything. Uh, we've got time for one last question before you all rush home and write your L.S. Lowry biopics. Um, there's a gentleman here who's very immaculate. Oh, there's a lady here in the front row, and then we'll go to you. So <coughs> two last questions. So, yes, please. No, we just, she just asked the question. Oh, this is this lady here. Hi. Um, 
I was just wondering, other than Killing Lear, is there any other Shakespeare that you'd like to do that you haven't attempted yet? Uh, I've missed a few parts in Shakespeare, uh, like Benedict. You never see a bad Benedict in Much Ado About Nothing because it's such a fantastic part. Uh, some parts I'm not going to play, like Falstaff. I, don't, I just don't like the part. And there is one part I would like to play, uh, two parts I'd like to play. One is the Shakespeare's only openly gay character, uh, which is Antonio, and he is the Merchant of Venice. Uh, and the first line of that play is spoken by Antonio, who says, in sooth, I know not why I am so sad. Well, if you observe the story of the play properly, you soon find out why he's sad, because his boyfriend has just told him that he's going to woo a girl, uh, and, and would Antonio mind lending him the money to do it? No wonder he's sad. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've been banging on for years about uh, the importance of, of playing this character as, as, as gay, and I've occasionally seen it done. Uh, and I wrote a screenplay uh, to, to help encourage this idea. I turned down playing Antonio in, in uh, the Al Pacino movie because uh, uh, the director wouldn't go along with uh, this version. I read in today's newspaper that the Royal Shakespeare Company have at last done uh, a production of the Merchant of Venice in which the, the name part, Antonio, is played as a gay man, and the whole play suddenly makes sense. <laughs> uh, you thought it was all supposed to be anti-Semitic. That play is, uh, is about people who are anti-Semitic and homophobic, uh, and anti-black. It's a fantastic cry for, for human rights and, and, and at last the place come into its own. So that's one part. The other part is um, Mercutio in uh, Romeo and Juliet who is an unmarried friend of Romeo's who's always uh, being rude about women uh, and, and young men who get involved with with women uh, and has a filthy tongue to him uh, and is always surrounded by young men and I thought that was an ideal part for me. <laughs> and I, I've mentioned it to directors who are going to do the play. They say, Ian, you're out of your mind. But someday, <laughs> you mark my words, someday somebody of my age will play at Mikusha and you'll know that I had the idea first. <laughs> Uh, we have time for one last question for this gentleman here. Thank you. Evening, sir. Nice, Hello. Nice scarf. Um, <laughs> in the filming of Mr. Holmes, were there any hardships or obstacles you had to overcome or get over? It was one of those films in which everything went absolutely according to plan. It was a short shoot, and that is fun. To do a film quickly is nerve-wracking but exciting in a good way. And we were able to do that because the sun was permanently out. It was a lovely summer last year in, in the UK and, and so that was, every day we got up and the sun was out. And every day you went out to work and there was Laura Linney and Bill Condor. <laughs> and, 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 and my friends, Roger Allen, uh, Francis Barber, Frankie de la Tour, uh, David Fox. Uh, every day was like a holiday really. And uh, uh, so, no. Even the bees were friendly. <laughs> even the prosthetics were okay. Even the nose. The prosthetics were. But this beautiful garden we were filming in uh, on the south coast, the sun's out. Uh, 
and the art department have decided there weren't quite enough uh, flowers. So the, the, the white roses da, da, down one of the little alleyways uh, were plastic. <laughs> they look real. So real that one day I was there and one of the bees had come from our hive and thought, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and it went and landed in this plastic white flower and I saw it say to itself, what the fuck's <laughs> And then it went to the next one, and it did that. <laughs> I suppose like, we went back to the hive and said, I don't know, what's, something odd's going on out there. <laughs> but, uh, no, we had a trouble, trouble-free shoot. Mm. Amazing. It was lovely, well. it was, it's a lovely film. And I, I think you can sort of tell when you see it, uh, this film, not true of all films, uh, made with a lot of love and a lot of respect, uh, not just for the subject matter, but for, for, for each other. Uh, and, I, and I hope you enjoy it when you see it. Mm. Uh, on that bee-related bombshell, that is all the time we have. My friend, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for your questions. It comes okay. out June 19th. Please give it up. Ian McKellen. Thank you. Thank you.